Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz, good to be with you here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. They're in Nashville, they're in Pittsburgh, they're in Houston. You should check it out for yourself, blendbarcigar.com. This is the place. April D. Gregory is here. Fingers Malloy is here. It has been an insane, insane news cycle with the machete attack at the synagogue in New York, the shooting that took place uh, in the church in Texas. So the Second Amendment, once again, front and center. The whole idea of people blaming Trump for anti-Semitism, which is criminally insane, is a front and center subject. We've got it all. Also, some interesting uh, food news for 2020. But we're on to the bourbon, of course. Uh, your bourbon's right behind you. There. There you go, fingers. Uh, he couldn't find. Already hasn't had a drink yet. Couldn't find his bourbon. Uh, this right here because we always start with the drink, is the Widow Jane 10-year single-barrel bourbon. Now, this comes uh, from uh, Rosendale, New York. What's weird about this is that the bourbon itself is Kentucky. So the bourbon is Kentucky. That's where the bourbon is sourced, and it's blended with the limestone mineral water from the Widow Jane mine in Rosedale, New York. It's got a mash bill, 70% corn, 20% rye, 10% 10% malt, which I think is going to be a very interesting flavor profile to get to. Of course, to be a bourbon, you have to be at least 51% corn. You have to be in uh, first-use American uh, barrels. Um, it has to be aged for at least two years. This is 10 right here, uh, and it is uh, 91 proof. So we've done things much stronger than this, but you've took a sniff, fingers. I thought you were going to fall down. A little medicinal. Um. Maybe, maybe a touch. The nose is certainly strong. The nose is certainly sweet medicine. That's what it smells like to me. Sweet, sweet medicine. Sweet, sweet medicine. It's got a bit of honey. It's got a bit of dark fruit going on in the nose. Whew. A little tarragon? Mm, no, no, there is no. By the way, there are a couple of reviews that will tell you that the nose is like a chemical, like an acetate or, or nail polish. Like a nail pot. That's that. I don't know. That's what you 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 want right there. All right. Now we do this neat, and then uh, we've got the big cube side if we have to do it. April, do you need to cleanse the palate? Mm-hmm. A little a little sip of water. I'll do I'm the same. Do that. I'll do the same. I always like to do that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's how you sip. I had a chili dog right. before I got here. Gross. Like I was eating soup. Like I was eating soup right there. Are you ready? Are I'm ready. This? I'm in. The Widow Jane, ten year. Here we go. Oh, they ain't kidding about fruit. They are not kidding. Oh, man. Oh, Oh, my God. With frowns on their faces, April and Fingers went to the cube at the same time. Didn't even look at each other. Didn't even know the other one existed. Um, There's a weird aftertaste, too. Ah. I don't know what to make of this. I do not know what you uh, get get out of this. Now, hold on, I gotta do it again. Uh, that's rough and tumble. Um, there's no sting on the tongue. There's no burn on the tongue. There's a little bit of burn on the throat. There's definitely a warmth into the chest. That's happening. On the on the taste side. It's cherry. It's like a dark cherry or a dark fruit, I should say. Maybe cherries. Um, it's a touch sweet, but it's... No. Oh, no. 
No. Mm. I mean, I'll drink it. Famous <laughs> last here. words. Right. Um, it's, it's it's sweet. I got to do a cube, too. Yeah, put it on a cube. Uh, I just really get that wheat. Wheat? Wheat? You get wheat. Is there wheat in there? Um, I don't... The way it was... No, I mean, there, there, there is... Except that there's 10% malt, and maybe yeah, that's what maybe you're confusing with. maybe that's what I'm getting. With. It's, it's 20% the rye, but it's taste. nothing like a rye. No. I'm going to let it sit on the cube for a second. It's like that's there's rough. an alcohol taste to it, and not... No, a, a medicine like, alcohol taste yeah, to it. Yeah, like rubbing alcohol. Not that I would know anything about that. Oh. No. Not Kitty Dukakis. I'm going to let it... I'm going to let it... I'm going to let it sit here on the cube. I can't... I can't... Uh, I can't recommend right now. And at basically $75 a bottle, I really cannot recommend. Right? I, I would recommend Evan Williams at $15 dollars a bottle. Did I tell you, I, I did run into, when I was in Michigan for the holidays, a fifth... That may be the cheapest fifth I've ever seen on the market. It, it's a Canadian whiskey called Rich and Rare, R&R. $6.50 for a fifth. How was it? I, oh, I didn't buy it. Why not? Because I don't want my liver to shrivel up and die. At least not now. That should be, a, that should be an episode. Cheap. Allergic to it. Cheap, cheap, cheap whiskey. We have a lot of episodes we haven't gotten to yeah. that we need to. We still have to do the White Claw episode. I'm going to be sick that day. The, the, I'll be here for the White Claw, <laughs> not the cheap one. So this is the Widow Jane Straight Bourbon Whiskey, 10 years in American oak, from pure limestone mineral water from the Widow Jane Mine in Rosedale, New York. Um, it's, it, it's not an easy find, by the way. They, I mean, it's beyond small batch. I don't know. Oh. No, there's not. I look. I'll finish it, Tony. Um, I'm a trooper, but yeah. no, I would never order. And especially at that price point, my God, seventy five dollars a bottle for this. Hold on, I'm doing it on the cube. Um, I'm gonna let it sit on the cube a little bit more, <laughs> if you don't mind. Needs honestly, not everything's disappointing. The news cycle has been nuts. Now we're recording this on a Monday. So we've already seen the machete attack in New York at the synagogue uh, and the shooting at the church. So this day started with a machete attack. And the machete attack was, was uh, there's a synagogue where the rabbi also lives. I couldn't ever, the way they described it. So I don't know if it was his house or acted as both, right? So when you're talking about um, these Hasidic Jewish communities, very often it could be in, in, like that. And this black man sneaks in. Pulls out a machete. They're celebrating Hanukkah, right? It just ended. They celebrate. They're celebrating Hanukkah, and this guy starts attacking people. Um, five people were were hospitalized. He was caught um, with bleach on him, uh, and his hands covered in blood. Uh, five counts of attempted murder and one count of, of burglary is what he's being charged with. Hours later. There was a shooting at a church, and it was live streamed. And if you haven't seen the li- you haven't seen the live stream, I've seen the live so stream. It's just amazing. This guy is sitting in the church. Then he goes to the back of the church. It's not an ornate church at all. And he pulls out his gun. There's a security guard there who clearly is kind of off camera. Pulls out his gun. Parishioners then pull their guns. That's when this guy shoots two people, and he's less than 10 feet away from them. Shoots them twice. The security guard shoots this guy one shot. He goes right to the ground. 
people are screaming and yelling, and six or seven parishioners, weapons out on this on this guy. Now, first, the only comedic moment of the thing, and I'm not making light of anything, is that this took place in a town in Texas called White oh, Settlements. And the first thing April did was she walked in to do the podcast was, you can have a town in 2019 called White Settlement? And I don't know if there's a history or anything well, else. There actually is a history behind it. Is there? Yeah. Earlier, uh, last century, they changed the name. It used to be called Honky Town. But now it's... You it's really went for the joke. You really... I was just trying to do just, it kind of surface, yeah. a little bit light. You said, let's go all in the pool. <laughs> oh, my God. Why dip your toe where you could just jump in the deep end? That's, that you're so here's your our goal out. for 2020, our New Year's resolution. We're going to rename that town. Because when it first came out, I was like, what in the world am I looking at? I was with you, April. I didn't know if that was part of the story. I thought it was a white settlement. And I'm like, what is... I don't even know what that means. Yeah. I just figured it was the press doing what the press does and absolutely getting a story wrong or, or throwing things out. No, it's the name of this this town. So when the, when the, 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 the attack in... New York, there has been a lot of anti-Semitic attacks, things that aren't reported about by CNN um, and, and the other uh, cable outlets, right? You've got the Jersey City attack at the Coach Supermarket where three people were murdered and also a Jersey City cop was killed. Um, you have got people being chased off subways because they're wearing yarmulkes, which is a head covering, Jewish head covering. Um, you have got a lot of different attacks on Hasidic Jews and others walking through the streets of New York. And the first thing that the political left did was to go about blaming Trump. Man, 2019 is... 2018 was the most crazy year, I thought, on record. 2019 has hit peak pathetic. Trump is responsible for anti-Semitism. Trump is responsible... For people being chased on subways. Trump is responsible for black people chasing white Jews on subways. And and when this happened, people immediately started talking about we have to end the scourge of white supremacy. This wasn't white supremacy. So the the, the first, I think, I mean, I immediately started writing, and I have a post up, and you can find it at TonyCats.com, at WIBC.com, about how Jews need to be armed. You know that I'm Jewish. I carry a firearm when I'm in synagogue. My parents have been talking about this for years. We've been discussing this in my family for more than a decade. It, it, it's the soft target. It's the vulnerable target mm-hmm. when you're at a place of worship. And it's true for churches as well. It's for all, re- all religious people, yeah. yeah. It, if you're not at armed... At this point in our time in history, we are... If you're, if you're religious, we are, we are a soft target. This time, 1935 well, Germany. Okay. <laughs> this time, the 1800s. This time, 1640. Nothing's changed. I guess at this point in my life, I'm like, every time this happens, it's a wake-up call for me. Right. And it should be for all of us, is what I'm getting at. It and wasn't... I, uh, I, I guess it's and, wasn't and it appropriate wasn't live-streamed back in 1930. Yeah. Like I, well, yeah. And I, I guess I shouldn't have excused that. Just dismissed a bit. No, but, but my, my point is, is that the, the, historically, uh, anytime you're gathered with a group of people in some place of worship, it is a vulnerable target. It is a soft target. And that people aren't armed in these places infuriates me. Charleston, South Carolina, the church. Now, there was no doubt that I don't, we don't use names of attackers. I, that's, a, that's a rule from radio, and I, I bring it here. That guy attacked that church because it was a black church. And I, I actually got into a bit of trouble because when this church like forgave him, I said, I don't get it. 
I don't get it. I called it a curious weakness. And people said to me, you can't say that they're weak for, for extending forgiveness. That's part of their makeup as, as people who are Christians. That's what they do. And you know what? I, what, I, what I learned is that forgiveness is not necessarily for me to give if the thing didn't happen to me. So I'm allowed to be angered by it or disgusted by it, and I'm allowed to question it. But I shouldn't say to them that it's weakness if they engage in forgiveness because that's them. I, I don't get to make that call. But what I really was was angered by the fact that nobody there was prepared to defend themselves. These people did nothing wrong. They're not guilty of anything in, in, in any way. I just so believe in this concept of defense when you're in a, in a church or a synagogue, and I believe it to the extent that no law should apply. In the state of Indiana, they're, they're changing laws to allow you to carry a firearm if your place of worship is attached to a school. Because it used to be it was a school, so no firearm. Mm -hmm. Screw that. I'm glad they changed those laws. And you should violate those laws, in my opinion, even if they're in your state, because your job is to protect and defend yourself. Yeah, and your family. And, and if you have we, to, it's better to be alive than, okay, if you have to go on trial, fine. But Yeah. Oh, my God. H handle the court case. Yeah. Without question. Figure that out later. Be, be alive. And we'll get to the Trump stuff in a second. I can't believe I get pushback. All over social media, you saw that the next day there were uh, Jews with AR-15s and other rifles and shotguns lining the streets around this place. And people are like, this is so dangerous. No, what was dangerous was not being prepared mm -hmm. the day before. This is the proper response on a daily basis. But you got these people like, oh, this is what we shouldn't do. Oh, we shouldn't arm the churches. How do you... How does anybody think that they're better off? Not What's the argument? I, I remember getting into an argument with a leftist friend of mine about this topic. And she suggested that it was a horrible idea for people to have guns on them at places of worship and at the mall because what you'll have is a shootout and people could get injured. And you're in a shooting gallery practically and you could get people caught in the crossfire and my argument to that is yes that would be terrible there's only one thing worse and that's being a sitting duck mm -hmm. you should be able to defend yourself if a lunatic walks into a mall or a place of worship and starts shooting aurora colorado during the batman film that guy started shooting we've talked about this in the podcast before that guy started shooting at this defenseless crowd you know it was a gun-free zone and it was boyfriends jumping on top of girlfriends to try and protect them. And I've, that story has always, that whole event has stunned me because if a husband jumps on top of their wife, I get it. Brother jumps on top of their sister, I get it. Boyfriends on top of girlfriends. I don't know how long they knew each other. This could have been a first date. Yeah. And they thought enough to do that. That stuns me. Yeah, the kind I of people. I think that's pretty instinctive. Yeah. It might be. It's special. It is special. That there are people who out Still there who like think that. like that. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that somehow they would be worse off if somebody could fire back is so criminally insane that there would be a shootout, maybe, and someone could get hit with the crossfire. Mm -hmm. But the other, the only alternative is to is to wait. The average response time. I saw this on social media, so certainly I could be double checked. The average response time to the police to that area would have been about eight minutes. Uh huh. The response from the security guard at the church in Texas, three seconds. It was three seconds. So it goes to another theory 
We're not talking about a firearm to start to stop the first bullet. You know what? Probably you can't. You don't know it's coming. Mm-hmm. The second one, too, you're just now getting your bearings. Mm-hmm. But you can stop the third one, and you can stop the fourth one. Why would we ever not be in favor of stopping them? And the other argument that these people make about, oh, why you can't, you can't arm the churches, you can't have people armed in synagogue, is because they say people won't know what to do. I didn't say you shouldn't be trained. Be trained. T- tomorrow I will be uh, at the range. And I, I will build it into my, I'm, I'm the worst at this. I don't train enough. I have to build it into my weekly life. It just has to be a part of what I do. An hour of my week has to be involved in this. And then some other courses on low light and some other things that, because you got to, your heart rate's up. You don't know what's, I mean, they're, they're, your nerves are going, you got to be prepared. You got to have that skill set. So I'm not, training is everything. I hardly agree. But the idea that somehow you'd have a shootout and that's a problem. That's not a pro- That's not com- to, compared to the alternative. That's not a problem, and we've got a true sickness in America. If people are so anti-gun, the bad guy still has the gun, and the bad guy, by the way, uh, wasn't allowed to have a firearm. That's that was the latest that I heard. Mm. So screw the gun laws that somehow say you need universal background checks or whatever else. It, I'm not opposing the background check per se. I'm saying that. The person who wants to do ill isn't worried about anything. No. And the, ch- the church in Texas proves that the good guy with the gun makes us all better off. Which is why that story will disappear within the next day or two and you won't hear about it anymore. It does not fit the narrative. The narrative trumps news. And so that story will go away. Which is what? Well, I was going to say to his point, yes, kind of, but... Um, I think because it happened in Texas, and that's a state of a lot of Republicans and conservatives, plus with the way it's gone on social media, a lot of people are not letting this story die yet. They went out and found found the, the hero that with that, you know, the three-second draw and shoot, and they've got him on TV, and so people are trying to keep this story alive. The people on our side, the, the good guys, they're trying to keep this story alive because they I think they realize at this point it's important we got to keep this one alive. Now, that's not to say it's not going to be on CNN in two days. No, of course not, but... Uh, I think doing the doing the story justice and giving it publicity, like some people are really trying to do, is good for all of us. A hundred percent. And and part, listen. God bless the podcast. God bless uh, talk radio. God bless the blogosphere that allows these stories to be shared by people who refuse to share it because you're not wrong on that fingers. It is all about narrative, which is why the entirety of the conversation which took place in New York takes on a whole new meaning. Everybody and their mother went to immediately blaming Trump. Donald Trump is responsible for what happened. You have uh, Democrats, you, you, Eric Swalwell. Eric Swalwell is an ignorant man, congressman from California. An ignorant man talking ignorant trash that Trump is the reason this stuff happens. Trump is not the reason this stuff happens. Trump is not the reason for anti-Semitism. I told this story when... I was 17, and someone chemically burned swastikas into my lawn in Middletown, New Jersey. Trump wasn't at fault. And he wasn't at fault when Leon Klinghoffer got thrown off the Achille Lauro. And he wasn't at fault for all the anti-Semitism that had happened the thousands of years prior to both those moments and the tens of years that happened afterwards. He's not at fault. But to blame Trump is narrative. And that's everything. And the fact that this was a black man 
is destructive to the narrative of white supremacy. And that's why they won't cover it. And it's why Andrew Cuomo's response is so weak, the governor of New York. It's why Bill de Blasio's response is so weak, because they can't. The only good argument is that that synagogue should be defending itself. That's the only good argument. Every other argument doesn't work because there's not a narrative that they can cling to for it. That's what makes this story so incredibly powerful. There is nothing in here that is regards Trump. And by the way, you, you could try, everybody. I mean, you could try all you want and make this um, uh, uh, a thing about Trump. It's, it's, just, it's just pathetic and embarrassing. And, and people who do that should be ashamed of themselves. And if you know people who do that, stop knowing them. Honestly, stop knowing those people. They're ugly, gross people. Well, I disagree with you that Eric Swalwell is, is ignorant. This is all planned. He knows Trump isn't the reason for this happening. But it's so much easier to blame a political enemy, the political opposition, rather than looking in your own house to root out anti-Semitism on your side because you may be called out for rooting out anti-Semitism on the left as a lefty. It's just much easier and scores political points for you to blame Donald Trump. Yeah, so here's his, uh, here's his tweet. Anti- this is from uh, Eric Swalwell, who's an ignorant man. Anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism is on the rise in America, and it's being stoked by President Trump, who won't condemn it, and Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who just said this week he's more Jewish than Soros. In case you missed it, he has an op-ed on, uh, on the forward. Now, two things. Trump does condemn anti-Semitism. He has done so numerous times. To say he hasn't is a lie. That's a lie. So you're right. He's not ignorant. He's a liar. He's a filthy, gross, go. two-bit, punk-ass liar. And, he, and anybody who votes for him, any Jew who votes for him, do me a favor. Share with me your address. I would like to send you a bottle of crazy glue so you can reattach your foreskin. <laughs> we don't want you. On behalf of the Jews, you have to go. We have to. We will gla- honestly bring back Chappelle. We will trade you <laughs> to the best of our ability. And as for saying he's more Jew- uh, Giuliani, saying he's more Jewish than Soros. This whole conversation that you can't criticize Soros because it's anti-Semitism. I'm. I, I am officially. In, I, I'm the spe- I am the spokesperson for all the Jews. I know you didn't know this, mm. did Gregory. I, I had a, a suspicion. Right. I'm not the king of all the Jews. Supposedly, somebody has that title. How much is that? I can't. I'm not going to sit here and compete. How much uh, does that pay, by the way? Uh, n- you would think more, but not so much. Um, it is not anti-Semitism to note the amount of money George Soros spends on political campaigns. It's not anti-Semitism to say it's anti-Semitism. That's rooted in a deep, dark place. That's ugly. And to say you're more Jewish than somebody, my goodness, that happens all the time. You've got people at high holiday services who think they're more Jewish because they paid for the front row seats. What are you even talking about? There's nothing wrong with what Giuliani said. He's talking about being supportive. He's talking about caring. He's talking about Jews who matter in his life. Everybody knows this, except for the liar, Eric Swalwell. And he, and he is a liar. I wrote about this. And uh, I, I, I went to uh, a series of experts because what I wrote is that Jews must be armed and ex- experts suggest six firearms that will fit, fit in your talis bag. <laughs> so, so a talis or talit, right? So that's a Jewish prayer shawl. You see men, wear, women too in, in, in many synagogues, wearing them on either Friday night or Saturday morning, really. It's a, I, I have one. I have many, actually. And, it, and it, it gets carried in like a small bag, a cloth uh, bag, sometimes ornate. And so I said, what are six firearms that could fit in there that you could bring to services with you? Now, I believe in carrying. I carry at my synagogue. It's, it's on my hip. 
That's what I do. So I reached out to, uh, to five people. I reached out to Steve Gutkowski uh, over at Washington Free Beacon. I reached out to Cam Edwards, the editor of Bearing Arms, who's been on this podcast. I reached out to Kurt Schlichter, the retired colonel in the, in the Army, a columnist, uh, author, full disclosure, my lawyer. Uh, I reached out to Guy Relford, who's known as the gun guy here in Indianapolis. He's a Second Amendment lawyer. He's a certified firearms instructor, radio host. And I reached out to Dana Lash, national syndicated radio host, uh, who uh, we've all known for, for a great number of years. She's also the author of Hands Off My Gun. She, she is an expert on these subjects. And I said, what are? Here are the parameters that I gave. I said, um, it must hold at least eight rounds. It must be a nine millimeter. It must have a safety, and it must be small enough to fit inside a Talis bag. Well, every single one of them was like, <laughs> why, why only eight rounds? Why, why not revolvers? Why not? The, why, why, why do I need a safety? <laughs> All of them. So I actually put that in the article. Well, the experts. Before most, we get there, go ahead. Can I ask why it needs to fit in that bag? Why can't it be just on you? Of course, it could be on you. The point I was trying to make was just small, just to easy, get you, okay. that you can okay. bring it with you, right? So it was utilizing. Uh, this thing that okay. Jews bring with them okay. as a way of saying, yes, you can bring one with you. Okay. So that's, that's why I, I, I did it. The idea, if, if, you were, if you were looking at what happened in, in New York and you were Jewish and you mm -hmm. saw that article, you'd be like, okay, that I got to read. The Jewish press okay. actually picked up the story. Okay. That's why I used it. Okay. But I even say in the piece, for the record, my carry weapon has no safety and I carry it on my hip, not my tallest back. And that mm -hmm. happens to uh, be true. So here's their list. The Sig Sauer P365, which is 12 plus 1. So uh, it's a magazine 12, and you can keep one in, in the chamber. There is no safety on that. The Glock 17, the Glock 19, and the Glock 43. The Smith & Wesson M&P, right, um, uh, which is, is, is a great, great uh, carry weapon. The Sig is smaller as, in terms of form factor. And the Springfield XD. This is what they mentioned. I swear to you, the story got picked up by Instapundent, which is a great, great... He's known as the blog follower. Like, the original blog was, was Glenn Reynolds at Instapundent. And it's basically... Like, you see what Drudge Report does? Well, he does it in, like, just list form and puts one on top of another. Great site. And so he posted the article. And people commented. And someone said, how brain dead is the author that four of the six guns being suggested are either German or Austrian? <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what's important right now. That's what's <laughs> people are. They're out of their heads. Do you think the that argument, person was just trying to be a smartass? He was right? just trying to act like he's a know-it-all about guns. Does the does it matter if the gun is German or not? The, what matters is getting out of the thing alive. This isn't. It's not about anti-Semitism in that way. You're nuts. People are ridiculous. I read that. I read that comment. Like you know, you're never supposed to read the comments. Right. And I made the mistake. Of reading, I read that comment. Like okay, I'm done here. And it didn't even phase me. You can't be that ignorant and allow it to walk my planet. So these were these were the firearms uh, that they uh, suggested. And it's amazing how. And and I didn't I didn't put them together. I sent these out individually, and they sent me their responses individually. It was just so interesting that so many of these things, the, the, the SIG and the Glock, ended up on multiple, multiple lists. It really and truly, I, I found that very, very interesting. And it was, it usually is the Glock 17 or 19. Only uh, uh, Gutowski had the, the Glock 43 on there. Um, there are plenty of firearms that you should, that you can and should and need to carry. But this idea of narrative, this is gonna kill. This is gonna kill us. 
Because we're not even getting to the heart and the meat of the stories. We're, we're a nation of children. I, I, I firmly believe that now because narrative is more important than facts. And rather than trying to get to the bottom of this problem, why is anti-Semitism on the rise in the United States, especially mm-hmm. in New York of all places? Mm-hmm. I mean, New York, the idea that this is on the rise, are we really sitting down and having an honest conversation about it? No, it's, it's finger pointing. So let us discuss, and I'll give you my thought as to why anti-Semitism is on the rise. And it does ebb and flow. And I, I truly, truly believe that. The argument that I, I would make is, is, first, there is a political argument to be made that there are things out there being normalized, right? Uh, so Ilhan Omar is being normalized to the point where Bernie Sanders is proud to accept her endorsement and bring her on the campaign trail. Ilhan Omar, the congresswoman from Minnesota. And he's Il- Jewish. And he's Jewish. And Ilhan Omar, uh, the congresswoman who said that... Uh, uh, members of Congress are paid off by Israel to, or by Jews to support Israel because it's all about the Benjamins. Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman from Michigan, talking about how it is uh, gives her a warming feeling when she thinks about the Holocaust. Then you have Representative Ocasio-Cortez, who is proudly friends with Jeremy Corbyn, the uh, labor leader in the UK, the party that got destroyed in the last election, who is a virulent anti-Semite from the word go. Right? So there is one thing to say when someone says something that's ridiculous. It's another thing to normalize people who are engaged in this behavior. But the other, I think the bigger story is what you were hinting to, Fingers, and it is, it is pretty damn deep. There is an entirety of America that has given up their Judaism for liberalism and has replaced their humanity with ideology. And when that happens, they cannot see clearly or think clearly. If you take a look at what happened in this synagogue and your answer is, oh, it's, it's, it's scary if they arm themselves, you're doing it wrong. And if you take a look at what happened at that synagogue and you look at it in just that one thing and say, oh, that was just the story of a man who's m- mentally ill. You can't excuse all the other hundred things. Allow me to be as clear as I can be on the subject. Anti-Semitism has damaged more people, harmed more people, injured more people, or killed more people since 9-11 than quote-unquote Islamophobia. Hmm. I wonder if the podcast gets to stay up because I just said that. But tell me that's not true. Tell me those aren't the facts as presented. Is September 11th happens, and we know that it's radical Islamic terrorism. You don't see a rash of, of, of mosque burnings, and you shouldn't. You don't see a rash of attacks on the streets, and you shouldn't, and you don't till this to this day. We're here in Indianapolis, Carmel, Indiana. My synagogue had swastika sprayed on it and iron crosses sprayed on it. That was a, that was a big story a year ago. You've got uh, JCCs that were threatened with with bombing uh, attacks, right? Calls that there was a bomb uh, put in there. All of these attacks in New York. Funny, I thought the racists only lived in the Midwest. Turns (laughs) out the bigots are, are, are right there in New York City. And it's what happens when your ideology supplants your humanity. 
it's what happens. Uh, and and the, the excusing of that is when people give up, they give up their religion and they allow politics to become their religion. And the, the religion of hating guns for way too many Jews is greater than Judaism. Well, and it was just two weeks ago where the Washington Post had a piece where they criticized President Trump for his executive order. So the executive order is the executive order that classifies Jews as a nationality. Now, mm. I got to tell you, I'm still very weirded out by, by that because I don't. It's the same reason I oppose the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Indiana. It's the same reason that I, I oppose the idea of protected classes of people. I'm covered by the Constitution. We're Americans covered by the Constitution. I don't believe in special protections for, for specific groups. So is that why he did that, just to clarify? So he did that because he wanted to be able to make it easier to classify things as a quote-unquote hate crime. And uh -huh. you, you know me, I don't even believe in hate crimes. Right. And when things are happening on college campuses... But it's trendy right now. Yeah. When, when things are happening on college campuses and, th and a lot of anti-Semitism on college campuses, boycott, divestment, and sanction is anti-Semitism. And anybody who tells you otherwise is a liar. Boycott, divestment, sanction is not good, not decent, not moral, not ethical. It's anti-Semitism. And the people who are practitioners of it or support it are ugly people who shouldn't be allowed in your home. Mm -hmm. Just so we're clear. That's why he did it. And I will tell you that I'm one of these people who's weirded out by it for the reasons that, that, I, that I suggested. But the idea that, that that's damaging to Jews, no. Being unarmed in your synagogue. People being silent about these attacks on Jews or being punched in the face. I'm hearing story of, stories of Jews being, uh, being afraid of wearing their yarmulkes in New York. If you can't wear your yarmulke, your kippah, the head covering in New York, dear God. Mm -hmm. but, but my point was, is that they're trying to spin the narrative that he's weak on anti-Semitism. Just two weeks ago, he signed that, and you said he went too far. And now he's back to being too weak on anti-Semitism. Now, I'm not going to tell you that he's been perfect on anti-Semitism. Um, but to, to go just in two weeks from, oh, he's going too far to now again, oh, he's just not doing enough. It, it just shows you how, okay, this isn't about getting to the bottom of the root of the problem. It's about scoring cheap political points and feeding your base and right, creating this they're, narrative. They're, they're, guaranteed, they're, they're planning on us having short-term memory like most of us do. So they, that's why they can get away with that. Which is why, going back to what podcasting is doing, what the blogs are doing, what, what radio is, is doing. Remember, this took place two weeks after the attack in Jersey City. This cop gets killed. He comes across this U-Haul uh, truck, which was noted in some other burglaries. This Jersey City police officer is killed. They drive. They were supposedly supposed to go somewhere else, but had too much security. Mm. So they went to this kosher supermarket, got out, and started shooting. And if you watch the surveillance video... They aim straight for... People are running in every direction. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't even notice. They don't turn to shoot this way, left or right. Straight at this kosher supermarket, three Jews were killed uh, in, in the kosher supermarket. And the reason I bring up Tlaib and Omar and Ocasio-Cortez is because there is actual anti-Semitism in what they have said and what they have done. And their, and their party and the media shields them. And when Trump is clearly not an anti-Semite, they blame things on him. And that's back to narrative. Well, and, and what's ridiculous about it, too, is where is this happening? Our, our good friend Cameron Gray does a really good job on Twitter whenever one of these stories pops up. He's one up. of the greats on this. Oh, yeah. I mean, he follows this, you know, when you're, you're seeing these videos come out of a, maybe a Jewish couple or a Jewish family walking down the street and somebody attacking them and it's caught on video. A lot of this stuff's happening in Brooklyn. 
in Queens. These are not, uh, this isn't MAGA country we're talking about. And yet we keep hearing, well, it, it's, it's because of Trump and his attitude. That's why these attacks are becoming more common. It's like, well, this is happening in Brooklyn. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't Trump country. Anyone who shows up to their place of work, I, I will ask you, you don't have to answer me, April. Do you go to, do you have a, a weapon or a firearm when you go to church? I don't. I, I don't go to church. I, 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 <laughs> that's, you get out of the question. So I want to make sure I'm a little more now, clear. Now, will that change? Uh, well, that's, that's a question for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people were really great comments on Twitter, at Tony Katz, if you want to go follow them through. Well, you could do this. Well, you shouldn't carry it in your tallest bag. Well, right? So they were all good comments. Some people missed what good. I was trying to get yeah, at let's, altogether. But, but that's fine. Let's have that conversation. Right. Where you should, been, because that destigmatizes a lot of it and it makes people more aware of what right. you should do with guns and not a, do a thousand percent and, and, and but, so what you did was trying to get the attention of people and you did that successfully and then they were having the conversation and that's all good um i think you're well within your rights if you're like i don't want to carry a firearm mm-hmm. you don't want to carry one don't but if and i said this specifically about jews if you tell other jews they can't bring a weapon to synagogue you're just wrong and you should not be listened to and that includes your rabbi Rabbis and in Indianapolis, there are rabbis. There, there, are, there have been attacks in other places. Trio Life Synagogue in in Pittsburgh, uh, and and uh, they're they're having events. And this is a gun free zone. It shouldn't be a gun free zone. That's madness, absolute madness. And the the best person who explains this is my father, who uh, in uh, and by the end of January will be eighty two. Wow, he he should live to to, to be eighty two. Uh, and he says, I can't walk the way I used to. I cannot run at all. I cannot bend the way I used to. But my trigger finger works just fine. <laughs> so why should I be prevented from protecting my wife of mm-hmm. 50 years? Because somebody else thinks a gun is a shanda. Or, or a, a, a wrong, a problem. I went with the, the Yiddish uh, right there. And so I say, and, and, and I, I want to make sure I'm clear. You should not listen to your rabbi if your rabbi says this is a gun-free zone. You should carry one anyway. And then you should fire your rabbi. Or you should change synagogues. This is no joke. This is the way it has to be. There can be no, there no daylight in this subject. You allow any Jew who wants to carry a firearm to bring a firearm. If synagogues were smart, they would start holding training classes. They would hold training classes every single month so people could be trained. And if you want to say, you know what, we're not going to say everybody should bring a gun, but we're going to start having a security force mm-hmm. of parishioners, do it that way. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying that there aren't things you can do with, within that maybe I'd be okay with or the synagogue could be okay with and I don't necessarily have to approve of, but at least they're doing something, being proactive in that way. But rabbis who say you cannot be armed should not be listened to. That is not Jewish. There is nothing in the Torah. There is nothing. There is nothing in the Talmud. There is no religious precept that you can come to that says you should not be armed. Jewish history. Uh, Josh uh, Hammer has this article up uh, at uh, at Daily Wire. Jewish history is replete with examples of Jews standing up for themselves, defending themselves, protecting themselves. I mean, it was just Hanukkah. The Maccabees are about fighting back. That's mm. what it's about. And if you don't, you're out of your damn skull. Rabbis should be thrown out. Thrown off the beam, gone, excluded, pushed aside. They are not decent if they do not allow you to carry a firearm. And you shouldn't listen to them anyway. But you sure as hell shouldn't give them your money. You should find a new synagogue. Uh, Question from a Gentile? Uh, uh, Yes, uh, Gentile fingers. (laughs) What does one normally, when they're going to a synagogue, carry in a 
Tallis bag. Tallis bag. I just want to hear you say Tallis again and see if you choke and die. Tulsi bag. Yeah, I I don't know. No, (laughs) it's a completely different bag. Uh, Oh my god. Your tallest, which is which is cloth. I'm wearing a scarf right now. Picture it like this. Picture it as a scarf. So it's uh, a scarf bag. It, yes, but it, I mean it's bigger. But yeah, that's that's what you would carry. So it's like a tallest purse. Yeah, basically, basically a satchel. I don't care what you call it. So that that that's it. That's that's basically okay. what you'd carry in there. Maybe you carry your coupon there too. You think put it on your head and boom, boom, bop, bip. You're ready to go. And then there's a little bit of praying and then you eat because it's Jews. You, Do you eat, eat after at church? everything. Yeah, you at synagogue? eat. Of course you eat. I didn't know that. You eat at Afterwards. Synagogue? After After you're done. We you have know, last do you bring a pigeon? What? You bring a pigeon or how does no, this work? No, no. It's usually set up. Oh. It's usually that. We have people. We, we have people who handle that, that, that part of it. We have a little the wafers and wine chefs. at our joint. Uh, you don't yeah. even have a joint. Don't be, don't be trying to jump in now when all of a sudden there's wafers <laughs> and wine. And can we please not, not mock the Holy Communion? I'm going to get emails. I, don't, I do not want it. I'm a Catholic. Stop. Just because I don't go to church now. You're doing a great job of it, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, are you a Catholic, April? No, not yet. So are you still, is this still like a consideration? Mm-hmm. I, I know more and more people. Who, I got to take the class still. There's a class? There is. There's a class. Is it pass, fail? No. <laughs> it's great down a curve. <laughs> is it? I think you just take the class. And that's it? Yeah. How, well, then you, you got to get, then you have to go through the ceremony. Do you want to take the class? Yeah, I'm just, you know. Just still thinking about it? It, it starts in the fall, so you have to, I, you know, I missed it. Oh, so you it. missed it. Yeah, so I missed it, so. But this is something you want to do? Yeah. You want to become Catholic? Mm-hmm, yes. You're not the first person to go down the, we know people who've yeah, converted to people. Catholicism. Yeah, But, so you just, you find it warm, welcoming, loving, you, you, you find an attachment to it out of what? Um, I find, just delving into the history of the church and, um, and, and whatnot, reading the Bible in, in uh, ways maybe I hadn't before or whatever. Interesting. It, it, new enlightenments have come to me hey, from ta- the Holy Scripture that I had not picked on before. I've talked about the fact that I have uh, I steered away from Judaism. I was very involved and very much enjoyed it. I steered away from it for years, and it turned it was the politics that was driving me so mm-hmm. so very very nuts. And now I'm I'm on my way back. Mm-hmm. What? Well, I'm I'm running the board here, and both of you lowered the volume of your voice as we started <laughs> as we talked about church. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, I, I've been an well, evangelical you know. for thirty whatever years, <laughs> and, and so it's kind of a big deal. And you guys are all loud, and then we talk about. Well, let me talk church. a little bit about my spirituality and my journey to the Holy Spirit. Here we go. It, it's serious stuff, which we're trying to connect on a deeper level, and here you are. Here you are with that. That's it. so. It's not that you Thanks don't go to church. Out. They don't allow you back <laughs> yeah. in church. Is 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 what I'm, it is. I, let's just say I've been kicked out of a few places over the years. Speaking uh, of of things uh, that you worship, how are you with this uh, with <laughs> bourbon right here? This is the Widow Jane uh, that we're trying. The straight bourbon whiskey, aged ten years. Well, now that the cube, now the cube has melted. Uh, I've only got half a cube that I once had. Um, it's fine. Right. Now that it's been watered down <laughs> significantly. Yeah, I've been trying it, and no, it's not. I'm just, I'm sorry. Oh, it's manageable now. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Here, someone can manage mine. Uh, well, got I'm not going to go that far, but it is certainly uh, water burden. So watered down, it's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's that, it's not a reason to have it. Nope. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a reason. We it's can not a reason name 10 other ones that are better. 
You know, and sometimes you can say, well, at this price, maybe $75 a bottle. There's no. no shot. I mean, obviously somebody likes it or it wouldn't be in a bar and a, a hit, but it's... It not. would be a crime to do this because you're spending $75 a bottle. But do you think you could mix that with anything? No. And make it... because I, you It's know, I like you've this, never done this podcast Well, it's, I mean, I guess you could do a Manhattan. No, but you know, we had this discussion when I brought right-ish. over the uh, beer barrel bourbon from um, the New Holland Distillery in Michigan. You said... Wow, you could make a milkshake out of this, and it would be really good. Yeah, but that's being foodie, and that's fun and, to, and, to mix your bourbon. And that bourbon's not a high-end bourbon. To mix your bourbon it's is just a middle-of-the-road bourbon. I, I, uh, like Crystal Pepsi, would that be good in this? Is that, would, honestly, if you want to mix Pepsi's it with Zima, you go live your life. I'm not. Here. You know what? You never have to mix backbone bourbon, Ooh. the fantastic backbone bourbon, the prime and the uncut. Then you've got the bone snapper rye, which is one of my all-time favorites. And uh, the Bone Dry Gin. These people here in Indiana, they do uh, distilling in Indiana and Kentucky. Fantastic bourbon that should be in your liquor cabinet that you don't have to mix with a thing. Neat. You could do it on the cube, and it's fantastic. Great for the holidays. Great for any time of year. The Back Porch or anything else. Backbone Bourbon. BackboneBourbon.com. Nolan and the team just do fantastic work. you got to ask for it by name. At your liquor store, Backbone Bourbon. If they don't have it, ask them uh, to get it. Go to BackboneBourbon.com. BackboneBourbon.com. Tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, that you want some of it. And they'll see what they can do about getting it in your area. But everything they do is just absolutely terrific and easy. And don't get me wrong. The Prime and the Uncut, there's some high-proof bourbons. That stuff is strong stuff. I'm just letting you know right now, it's why I go with the Bone Snapper Rye, because I just think it is this perfect mix of sweet and that bit of, of spice that you get from a rye and just does fantastic work. And if you like gin, the Bone Dry is fantastic. That is BackboneBourbon.com. BackboneBourbon.com. I'll say it again. BackboneBourbon.com. Ask for it by name. Let's move on to smoke. It is eat, drink, smoke. We haven't done enough eat. We got to get back into the eat. I mean, we've got, of course, the charcuterie that is always out every single time here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. They're in Nashville. They're in Pittsburgh. They're in Houston. It is just the cigar lounge you will love to love. Blendbarcigar.com. But we're on to the smoke. I am a huge Crowned Heads fan, massive fan of the of the cigars, the Four Kicks, uh, the J.D. Howard. And this is the Headley Grange, but it's not the standard Headley Grange. Now, uh, the original Headley Grange is a great, great, great uh, uh, smoke. Caramel, uh, leather, some subtle spice uh, that's in there. The cigar itself uh, is an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and filler. And it is named after the studio where Led Zeppelin used to record. So that's what it's, uh, it's named after. And the cigar was built to uh, be an homage to the drums of John Bonham from the song When the Levee Breaks, right? So that's what it's about. So they made a couple of variations to this, and they have one called the Black Lab, and the Black Lab is uh, based on the dog that hung around the studio. And then they have this, which is called the Chamuco, C-H-A-M-U-C-O. So this cigar comes in one size and one size only it's a five and a half by 54 box press really it's kind of an oval if if you look at it the original headley grange is an oval i would say this is more of a, of a box press uh, and so five and a half refers to it's being five and a half inches long Tee-hee. 
He always loves that. Makes him chuckle. And then 54 is the ring gauge, how thick it is around. Tee-hee. It is not in big quantity, is is the Chamuco. The Chamuco, by the way, is Mexican pit bull. That's what it means. That's how I have it, uh, the story. A cross between an American pit bull terrier and the now extinct Mexican bulldog, right? So this is the same internal blend of Nicaraguans uh, that's used in the original Headley Grange, but this wrapper is a Mexican San Andres, uh, and uh, it's a Maduro. It is a gorgeous, oily. Feel that. Feel the wrapper. You can actually feel oh, yeah. almost like it's a it's a touch sandpaper. It's got some grit to it. It is oily. It is delicious looking in every way. It uh, is delicious tasting as well. It's eleven bucks a stick. Oh wow. I love what these people do in ways that are just downright unacceptable to talk about uh, on a on a podcast here. And it is. It's gonna have it's definitely going to have that spice to it. It's going to have those more earthy kind of, of, of flavors to it. This is, I would not say it's a golf course cigar. Although at 11 bucks, you certainly can do it. Only because there's more happening here, and I want you to kick back and enjoy it. I love it. It's also at five and a half. There are times I wish it was a bit longer. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just right. It'll, it'll... I'm sorry, April. If you're gonna say it, don't yeah. don't just say it straight. Say everybody, it hard. Everybody knows what I said. That's yeah. probably true. It's just a terrific smoke. It is a terrific smoke and one that you should go out there and enjoy. Absolutely love Headley Grange. I'm looking forward to digging into this. The story of Zac Efron. He's the actor. What was it? He's known for High School Musical. Is that what he's known for? Don't look at me. Yeah, I'm looking at you. And yeah, was he is. Don't look at me. The guy's like ripped on ripped on ripped. Yeah, he is from See, High School I Musical. That, he's I, too young for me. I don't pay attention. How old is he? He's 32. Too young. What? What do you mean he's too young at 32? You're 32. Oh, yeah, you're right. I am 32. Still too young. <laughs> so this is now, you're now into older men? Or have you always been into older men? I mean, if you think about the people in Hollywood that I've always liked, we're talking Brad Pitt, George Clooney, they're in their upper 50s right now. And, so that, and, that, and, that, and that works. That's you. my... You, so you like the mature. Yeah. And, and financially sound. <laughs> yeah. Have a house in Capri. Right? Like, yeah. See, exactly. guys, there's a chance. That's all she's saying right here. Zac Efron um, is working on a documentary. And the documentary is called Killing Zac Efron. And he, what, he goes to places and tries, goes to dangerous places and tries dangerous things. I guess that's, that's what he does. He's in Papua New Guinea. He's in Papua New Guinea and he gets sick. What he, he got, it was an infection. It almost killed him. I forget the name of the infection. I, I, it was I, called I, Papua New Guinea. I don't think, that, I don't think that's actually <laughs> the name of an infection. He got hospitalized for days. He was near death. Phil, why, why do people do this? Why do people feel the need? Like, you know what? I have to, I have to go see some danger. What, why do you need danger in your life? What Just was the dangerous part? Going to Papua New Guinea? He's filming a documentary about things that might kill you, and he almost died from something that could have killed him. Why is he doing that? Why do you need to leave the country for that? Go to Flint and have a pint it's of water. <laughs> If Flint is not on his because list, because then of he's guaranteed to die. I just, I, I, I don't understand. I don't mind something that's thrilling. I have a 
I, I don't quite understand thrill-seeking of the danger kind, right? What, what's the... I don't, I don't understand where, where the win is in that. You know, for me, it's, it's doing things or trying, you know, living amongst uh, areas that you can contract diseases. For Fingers Malloy, it's going on a cruise, right? These are all thrill-seeking <laughs> things ships. That, that he wants no part of. This story is unbelievable. They, they had to fly him to Australia in order to get uh, treatments. Where he, he went on to one treatment for a week. And he's got a tweet out. Very thankful to everyone who has reached out. I did get sick in Papua New Guinea, but I bounced back quick and finished an amazing three weeks there. Uh, he didn't bounce back quick. He almost died. What's the, what is the allure? What is the allure of thrill-seeking? But it's not telling us what he almost died from. That's the thing that's confusing me. The article didn't tell me. Was it somewhere else? It's I, very mysterious. I, well, I don't know. I, I want to know how you almost died. Really? That's the thing? That- that's what's bothering me. I'm here. Look, uh, the whole thing is stupid. That's something a 32-year-old do, right? So there's my point. Well, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> He's proved my point. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to figure out what he. Brad you know Pitt, most not up- trying to go kill himself. You know who's most upset about this? New Guinea Visitors Bureau. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Their marketing I, department is in 24/7 high-speed gear. I think, right I think now. their marketing department's already had a. Uh, 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 a form of typhoid or similar bacterial infection. But he visit L.A.? <laughs> that Did also needs to be on his list. If he didn't Did go to L.A. Is, and Flint. Is there a vaccine for that? Like, was he supposed to get it before he went there? I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know. He was flown to Brisbane in a life or death flight. By the way, I didn't even mention that he was in The Greatest Showman. Like, there, there, there's... There's how terrible I did with his with his IMDb, High School Musical, <laughs> and Baywatch. Oh, I'm the worst. The not the original Baywatch, in case anybody was confused, because they're not. I don't think they were confused at all. I, I just, just feel like our audience is not really a Zac Efron audience, so I just wanted to clarify, he was not in. That Zac Efron is is totally inconsequential. I just I just managed to pick the two things. You know what? I picked our audience because I picked the two things they might know him from. High School Musical, they could know him from. And really? Baywatch, because there were some hot chicks. I barely know High School Musical. And there are and women who listen to this our, podcast all over the place. I'm just saying, our age demographic is not younger than me. You think our age demographic is older than you? I think a lot of them are, yeah. They're so close to your age. So therefore, they're all people you would date? No. Well, you don't know that. You know what? Don't that do could this. Be, that could be the next contest. Don't do this. Date April Gregory. Don't do this. No. Is, is this, no, is this officially crossed the... Don't do this. Don't do this. You see the dad shaking no. Yes, no. but Fingers Head is shaking yes, please. <laughs> Continue down this line, won't you? It's the story that people, like, they try, they try things, and I don't know what makes them want to do it. I'm trying to understand them. What's the most dangerous thing you feel like you've ever done? The most dangerous thing I yeah, have... Yeah, for a thrill. I mean, do you get on roller coasters? Do you do... I mean, is there anything yeah, that you've I've done on roller for, like, a would... thrill? Like, parachuting out of no, a plane? No, I'm not a schmuck. My last name is not George Bush. Cliff diving? No, I've never cl- done a cliff dive. I don't know. That's, that's... Maybe you've gone to the... Uh, what's that Mexican restaurant in I have... Denver? The, the cave divers. The the Mexican <laughs> restaurant the in Denver? The or whatever it's called. Oh, uh, but... Casa Bonita. Yeah, the pink one. What are you even talking about? It's like famous. Do you cliff dive while you're there? No, I don't think so. No, they, have cliff, they, they have, have cliff they divers have. inside. I can't tell you. the. Mo- oh, I did just walk around Chicago for three days without a firearm. Dangerous. Oh, yeah. 
Which you being a law abiding. I only because I was going to museums and stuff, and I just I, I knew there'd be a problem. I I tell you, I'm I the I mean, based on our just last conversation, it really did bother me. So true it story. Really I went to uh, yeah, you felt naked. I'm sure. I went to a uh, concert venue in town last weekend. And I text my friend before we get there, and I said, is there a metal detector? And he's like, yeah, but they're just, they're not really doing it. I'm like, okay, whatever. I go to walk through the metal wand detector thing, the guy's wanding, but he stops because he likes my purse, and he's commenting, he's complimenting me on my purse, and totally did not catch the metal on my side. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I feel safer or less safe hold knowing he's second. not catching things. Okay, two <laughs> things about that. First of all, holy hell. And secondly, this is... Do you carry? Stop it. No. Now... It was on. a place where I felt I needed to have something. I I swear... Now, you don't... I, I did not know that you... I, I did not know. And I got to tell you, I I am... I don't know whether I should be more private about it mm-hmm. or not. It, I, the whole idea of whether you should mention that you carry or not. Because um, I, I, I think you can mention it and people can be like, oh, I'm still not sure. And, I, and you know, let them figure it out. Right. But I talk about it so often and its importance. I, I don't know if I could then say, oh, I won't tell you if I carry. Like if someone were to come up to me and ask me, I'd be like, am I legally obligated to answer that question? No. Right? I, no, I wouldn't answer that for anybody. I wouldn't no. answer that for a cop. No. Not in a million years. Am I legally obligated to answer that question? I, I, you need to check I don't with think it's, on that. I, I think it's smart to just kind of throw it out there because there are some crazies out there. You know that's why I do it. Throw it out yeah. there that you may or may I mean, yeah. yeah. Just know it's a possibility. I never once wear a firearm because I'm Jewish and I think someone's after me. I wear a firearm because I'm a radio host and I think someone's after me. I mean, that's it's certifiable when when you think about it. But the but but the real answer is is that nobody's after you. It's just you need to be able to, if X Y or Z takes place. Well, and nobody went to church that Sunday morning, or or, and thought somebody was after them. You just don't go to church thinking somebody's after you necessarily. It's true. There are crazies. That's the reason why I don't talk much about my background is because I've had threats thrown my way. About my family and, and things like that, so oh, I, I keep my mouth shut and right? I don't, I don't, I don't talk about because you got to when you put yourself out there as a content provider, whether you're a writer or a radio host. I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the amount of people that I know who are content providers who share everything. I don't mm-hmm, get it. Mm-hmm. Blows my mind. I, I, you know, you guys have known me a long time, but it was years before you knew I had a family. I, I wouldn't talk about it at all and in any way. Uh, and I, I don't use names, and I don't post, and I, I don't do any of that because people are absolutely not all people, just no, the crazy people, yeah, it's just, it's just the dangerous people. One nut, yeah, it does. But I, I have always been amazed by people in the public eye who share every last bit of it. I don't. Do they think that somehow that's safer? Like if, if it's all out I think there in general. I think there's. I think in general you're fine. I. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, odds are you're fine. Really good odds. That sounds silly. Wait, I don't. I don't. That I don't sounds live in fear. silly. I don't walk down exactly. The street in you fear. don't want to live no. in fear. Um, but I know. I know people that you're talking about. People who do share it all online, and then I get how it can be perceived as unsafe. But generally, I think history tells us just 
we are fine based on the social media well, aspect I, of it. I didn't mean to make it sound like I'm scared. It's, it's just being careful. There's a difference between living your life in fear and yeah. being careful. Correct. Yeah, I don't, I don't live in fear. I just, you know, I, 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 I am aware. I certainly want to be able to protect and defend myself and the ones I love. And I'm aware that we live in a, in a, in a, in a culture where people, and I guess it may have always been this way. Certainly it, was the, it would have been this way uh, 100 years ago. Uh, and certainly more where there are some people who are just simply untrustworthy and yes there are bad people I guess social media and other media things that you see simply heighten the 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 madness and so I'm, I'm more aware of that than ever before in my life and Chicago felt weird I will tell you I thought the city was beautiful and I oh, have I, love Chicago. I, I have not been approached by that many homeless people in a good long time yeah I mean approached and a and little, you, and you work at a place on the circle that has a lot of homeless people. I don't actually get approached. You see, there are homeless people in Indianapolis, and there's a homeless problem in Indianapolis, not to the mm-hmm. size of Los Angeles, or San Francisco, or New York, right. by any stretch of the imagination. And certainly, we need to work on it here in India, and those places need to work on it even more so. Mm-hmm. But to be approached is different, especially when you're with your family. And I had did not have anything with me to protect myself, and when. No, thank you. Or have a nice day, which I always say and keep walking. Mm-hmm. They didn't just keep walking. They stopped. They stood there for a second. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I don't know if someone thinks they're going to out-tough me, but I'm ready to go down with the ship regardless of what I've got. Yeah. And there was a lot of that. And when I say a lot of that, I mean there was a lot of that. I've noticed in Indianapolis the homeless problem. There is one here, but they aren't very. In my experience, they haven't been very aggressive. They just kind of sit there. Okay, but you're a on big co- dude. You are extremely tall. Well, yeah, yeah, but it seems like some most little homeless, withering away cokehead isn't going to really. But but like in downtown Indianapolis, most of the homeless who I see are just sitting on the corner with a sign and a cup, soliciting. You know, donations. There, there. I, I haven't run into a lot of homeless people who are, you know, aggressively walking up to people saying, "Give me a dollar." Oh, uh, come to Chicago with me. Oh no, I said in Indy. Oh, in Indy. Yeah, I, right. I, I've noticed most of it. So they're just sitting on the sitting on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that, and that's and that's what I've seen. And that that isn't to say that it isn't a problem because I have heard stories. Uh, I know somebody who physically got accosted, and he's he's six two, six two, and he got accosted. He's not not a small dude. And so it, it is a problem. And with without I, and I, it's not that I'm gonna just immediately fire. That's not what I'm saying. Everyone, no. calm down. It's that I want to know that I've got everything ready to go. Yeah. Well, and that was that was problematic. But I get what you're saying. I and especially as I've gotten older, you know, I used to be the type of person that would love to get on the uh, roller coaster at Cedar Point in Ohio. They've got you know tons of roller coasters that you know go 70 miles an hour and you're really high drops and things like that. That was the kind of thrill I would see. But then as I've gotten older, I steer clear from that stuff. Like there, there's a casino in. Of course, there's a casino in Las Vegas called the Palms. Of course, there's a casino. Everything always comes back to the casino. There's a casino in. By the, the way, you were just. At a casino, weren't you? Yes, I, I was. And it was that was a that was a Michigan casino. Yes. And uh, and how'd you do? They're filthy bastards, is what they are. That casino. I just need everybody to know filthy. I'm the only person who has not cussed on this show today. Whoa. Now we're calling. Now bastard is unacceptable. You. Bastard is a cuss word. I think. Oh my I think, god. I think we've learned in the last two years she has no idea what a cuss word is <laughs> and what isn't a cuss word. 
Uh, by the can we also discuss the fact she calls it a cuss word? It's a curse word. But it uh, the Palms, they have a, uh, I think it's called the Voodoo Lounge. On the 52nd floor, you can walk out onto a balcony, and it's a glass floor. Oh, yes. And so you're just walking out on this glass floor balcony. And I looked at that for about five seconds, and I thought, this is completely safe. Get me the hell off of this thing. So, so I want to know what happened in the Michigan casino. Why, why, why are they uh, the, the B word? Is that better? Well, first of all, it wasn't as bad as Disney. But the idea, <laughs> <laughs> nothing you gotta go as back bad and listen to the Disney. podcast for that one. People do not want to watch their kids. I'm at a casino pool, okay? It's a casino. That sounds clean. It's a yeah, right? Totally hygienic. That was your first problem. It's it, family shouldn't be at a casino. I'm sorry. People bring their families. I sit in the hot tub. Thank you. You're I talking about men who are 15. as desperate as you are, so they're trying to hole off their kids to the pool because they need their gambling fix, just like you do. You don't leave a three... I'm in the hot tub for three minutes. I got a new three-year-old friend that just decided to walk up and say, ooh, the, the hot tub is on. I get to get in the hot tub, and I look around. No parents to be seen anywhere. This I could have dunked this kid's head underwater. And wow. Boy, and boy, oh boy, I sure thought about it. But I didn't because I'm not an animal. I'm not a bastard. I just sat there thinking to myself, I did my time watching three-year-olds twice, and I'm done with it. And people just don't care. Just Well, I'm having my good time. That's all that matters. To hell with everyone else around me. It was a great time, Tony. And so I take it that you lost. Yeah, I lost. <laughs> okay, just I want to make sure you we... wouldn't hurt. If I if I came back one grand ahead, you would never have heard any of that. No, no zero. <laughs> Good Italian uh, restaurant there, though. I I I th- there used to be a thing with restaurants with people not watching their kids, and their kids would actually run around restaurants. Yeah. And act up. And maybe it's because I don't go to those places at all. I don't go to franchise anything. It doesn't mean that I haven't gone to a quick serve place every now and again. You don't go to a chain ever? No. The No. When you're traveling and you're... you're uh, oh, you're one of those people that goes to the P.F. Chang's and the Cheesecake Factory when well, you're traveling? No, even no, though we've say, got two right across say, the street? Look, I know you are on the road a lot. And there are times you, you, you have to stop off the side of the road and get a hotel for the night. And the only thing around you is an Applebee's and a Chili's. You're telling, you go hungry? You won't walk into a, a, a chain? Have I, something to eat? I, it's not that I wouldn't. It's that that's never happened to me ever in the history of ever. Really? Okay. Um, have I gone to the Cheesecake Factory before? Yes. Uh, my, my mother-in-law was in town, and we, were, we ended up there. And it was, it was fine. It, it was actually great. Uh, absolutely great. hate that place, but go ahead. Um, why? I'll tell you why. Oh, dear God. Their seating is terrible. They will have one long table, and they will sit you right now. Like, we're, the way we're sitting right now, we could be three different parties, complete strangers, and they'll sit you like that. And I'm probably, you, I think you have a people problem. Ah, now we, we're on to it. Have we just met? <laughs> of course I have a people problem. I don't want to be sitting next to if you're If you're, see, see. Say you are on a date, and it's a first date, and you're sitting next to or in front of the person that I've you're going on a date with. I've never had experience with the Cheesecake Factory where they sit me with other strangers. And then strangers. you're in a long table with, like, five other I couples. have had that experience no, at non-chain that? restaurants, and I've been okay Some with Some people it. pay extra for the communal uh, dining experience. Um, but where have I ever Why been where it's like... food court? Where have I ever been where it's like uh, an Applebee's or nothing? That doesn't mean if I'm driving with a family and we're traveling a long distance, I haven't stopped at a quick serve place, a Chick-fil-A, or a Hardee's, which Cracker is my guilty Barrel. pleasure. Hardee's Carl's Jr. is my guilty pleasure it food. Yes, IHOP? Yeah. 
Denny's? I, I haven't been to an IHOP in forever. Oh. The, 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 the kids were infants. I haven't been in seven years to an yeah. IHOP. Oh, at least. Yeah. At least. I um, the last time. A Denny's? I have not been in a Denny's. Ten years. That wasn't... Yeah, at least. Now, see, this goes back to the fact that you don't... You're not a heavy drinker. 2.30 in the morning, Denny's, Moon's over Miami. That's the place to be. What's wrong with if you? If you want to die the next morning, just go to Steak and Shake instead or Qdoba or... Qdoba, 2.30 in the morning? Yeah. Are they open at 2.30 Oh, yeah. The, the ones by the bars are. <laughs> Jimmy John's. I've never been McDonald's. to a Jimmy John's. I have never been to a Jimmy John's. Is it any good? Yeah. It's a sandwich. Yeah. But the bread is good. The bread's like cocaine. The bread's like cocaine? It's addicting. Is it, Fingers Molly? Well, no, because you, you can't be fat on cocaine. <laughs> you can be fat on a three on Jimmy John's a day diet. Yeah. Fanimation. <laughs> Your ceiling fan professionals, great people, great sponsors of this podcast. At Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, whether you go to Indy or Houston or Pittsburgh or Nashville, all the ceiling fans are Fanimation fans, and they are fantastic. Whisper quiet. You don't hear them. You listen to the music. You're smoking a cigar, talking to friends. That fan's not going to bother you. It's just going to move the air and make you feel great. Great for your family room. Great for your living room. Great for your outdoor areas as well. LED lighting, totally customizable. Make it look the way you want it to look. Make it make that room come together. And they are just so well-built, so well-constructed. Uh, Nathan, he was actually on the podcast, the owner there, uh, was on the podcast last week talking about you know being a business owner and what 2020 is, is, is going to bring. And just seeing his success has been wonderful. You can be a part of that because he's a part of this podcast. Fanimation, Fanimation.com. Ceiling fans for your home, for your business, for your life. Fanimation.com. Fanimation.com. Now, I, I had a story that I, I wanted to do, and I think I'm going to save it. I do. I do think I'm going to, I'm going to save the story. Okay. If, if, if you don't mind, instead, I want to go to this poll. And I didn't share this with either one of you. I just want to bring it to you straight. There is a Gallup poll. And according to the Gallup poll, Barack Obama and Donald Trump are tied this year as the most admired man in America. <laughs> This year? Okay. I, he hasn't been president for four years. They are. He has been on top of the list for 12 years. These people need a new hero. This tells you how, <laughs> this tells you what the Democratic Party is. They need a new savior. You know who the most admired woman is? Michelle Obama. Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> I admire Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, me too. Oh, Michelle's always, she's oh, always Tulsi be Gabbard's like, older, so she's, she's in the running. She could date April D. Gregory. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know what to make of, of this list right here. Here is uh, the top ten. Uh, you, you, I already said uh, you had o Obama and, and Trump. Former President Jimmy Carter, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Pope Francis, and then Bernie Sanders, Adam Schiff, the Dalai Lama and Warren Buffett. Okay. Adam Schiff and the Dalai Lama in the same Adam sentence. Schiff? It should never be uttered ever. How does that even happen? But here's... Okay. America drinks. Yes. You okay there? <laughs> no, I almost choked. Who 
are these people? Like, who are these people admiring politicians that Look, much, too? let me just lay this out here straight. If you're someone who's so delusional and you put Adam Schiff on this list, I need to tell you right now, Donald Trump is going to win again in 2020, and you just need to know that right now, and I'm sorry you're so delusional. Out of the women, Michelle Obama, 10% of the vote, the only woman in double digits. She was 15% last year, 10%. Melania Trump, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah's always going to be on there, too. She doesn't do anything anymore. Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old girl who's being abused by adults to push climate change nonsense. She's being abused by adults. Just want to make sure I said that. Well, it's called brainwashing. That is abuse. Yes, that's emotional abuse. And then after that, Queen Elizabeth II. Nancy Who are these Pel- people? Nancy Pelosi, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh God, yes. Yeah, Elizabeth like, yeah, Warren. Oh my God. German Chancellor Angela Merkel, and Nikki Haley. So I am pretty sure this list. Oh, Hillary Clinton's on the list. Yeah, oh, I said Hillary my Clinton. God. Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner is not on either list. That's what I noticed. That's what I noticed. Oh, someone's going to yell at me. She got screwed. Uh, Caitlin would think that's that's funny uh, right there. Am uh, I the only one that's ever did a Freudian slip on her and called her Caitlyn Gender? Am I the only one <laughs> that's done that? Well, until now, yes. Now it's, it's totally going to happen. Now everybody's going to do it oh, every man. time. That is good. That is just good. That's like an earwig. <laughs> that's an ear. That's like hearing Baby Shark. <laughs> do, 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 you know, there's a Santa Shark version of that. There's a what? Santa Shark version. I got to learn the Santa Shark version from my four-year-old. Oh, this Christmas? Yes. And this and this was the Christmas where you first allowed a conversation of Santa, right? Oh, and it wasn't. I, no, I didn't. I didn't ever disallow it. It just I didn't force it. But but you have a theory. You you don't you don't talk about. The whole Santa thing, because you think it's wrong to do. I didn't initiate it. I didn't force it on her. I didn't initiate it. I wanted her to make the decision herself, because I didn't want to lie to her. And I, a lot of people use that as manipulation. Manipulation for good behavior, and I don't believe in doing that. I, I think you're right. I, I think But now, she hangs out with her friends at school. She's, you know, came to me and said, Mom, I think Santa's real. She says, what do you think? And I say, I, everybody gets to decide for themselves whether he's real or not. And but she the, came to the realization that he's real, and it's, it's fine. It's but magical. But here's the best, and i got to tell you, I think this is brilliant. April, under the tree, the gifts are not from Santa. Mm-mm. Only one gift this year was from Santa. The gifts are from Mom. Absolutely. Because and you should think thing. Santa just brings you things. Mom Why? does this. He doesn't get credit. Why does he get credit for all those things I intentionally and, and thoughtfully purchased for her? No. So her gift from Santa was in the Santa bag. A bag of Santa. Christmas is not about the good tidings. It's about who gets the credit. That's right. Fingers Malloy. you got to teach them young. <laughs> but I, am I the only one that's disgusted by this list? I mean, okay, I, I will grant you, I'm fine with first ladies and former first ladies being on the list. And maybe, you know, Jimmy Carter, the things he's done with Habitat for Humanity. Okay, post-election, post-office politicians, if they've done good work outside of government, okay, I can, I can see that. Uh, but... I mean, there are a lot of things to not like Jimmy Carter about, but okay, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with that. But, man, politicians on the most admired list, it just kind of turns my stomach. I'm, I'm in many ways more okay with that than I would be with an athlete on the list, right? Um, but I don't know who I'm supposed... Well, no, I don't necessarily... What about somebody like J.J. Watt, who's an athlete who uses his 
time and talent and fame and money to give back to the community or someone like Drew Brees who does the same thing or let's heaven forbid I say it Tim Tebow these are athletes these are people who are doing good because that's so taboo Um, well I mean obviously I don't care clearly but there are famous people who are doing good things but then you got Barack and Michelle sitting on their bajillion dollar mansion on the water and, and it's all about getting rich for them I, I don't know even it's not about what we, helping people what is it that we even consider admirable Admirable, admirable. I don't, admirable. I don't like I don't, the idea I don't of people admiring politicians so much. That's gross. I think so too. I don't think it's wrong to admire somebody if they've done good work, if they've advanced a cause you find value in. Mm-hmm. It's. I just. I'm not so sure. I know anymore. What are the qualities people find admirable? Right. There was a time when serving in the military was admirable, and I still think that it is. Yeah. But America lived through a time where those who served got spit on when they came home. So, And we now have a time where people are running for office and military service is, is almost negligible. There is an admiral, Joe Sestak, running as a Democrat for president. You know how much airtime he gets? Correct, because you never heard of him. He's a freaking admiral. I think he's got three stars. Is he running as a Democrat? Yeah, yes. I had no idea. So, I mean, these, this is just so many of these things. You know, when, when, when Admiral Stockdale was the vice presidential choice for, for Ross Perot, right? He was a punchline. He was a laughing. That guy got tortured in a way that cannot be described. And when he was there in that vice presidential debate, and he was walking around, it's because he couldn't stand in one place. He was in physical pain. And so, isn't that somebody, that guy, actual war hero, I'm supposed yeah. to admire. It's supposed to matter. And But and, but Ross Perot put him in a horrible position. I'm he not saying no. Him, you shouldn't have put him on that ticket for Man, that reason. But, but a mind. A mind. From what I have heard, the stories of Admiral Stockdale, what I have I, I always heard about him was, he was not somebody who was going to be quick to the answer. He needed to think about the answer. And then he would give you something that was actually worthwhile and, and, and tangible and valuable to your life. And politics on a debate stage is about who could be quick. Right? You go back, you go back to, to, to Nixon Kennedy. That was about who looked good. You listen to that debate, Nixon won. You watch that debate, Kennedy won. I mean, so it, it's, it's amazing what, what matters now. And that's why I'm not – that's a worthy question. What's considered admirable today? Because I'm not 100% sure. And that right there is April D. Gregory. You find her on Twitter at April D. Gregory. Fingers Malloy, fingersmalloy.com is where you find all of his things. Fingers Malloy Radio on Facebook. TonyCats.com for everything Tony Katz related. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz. Uh, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. BlendBarCigar.com. These people are fantastic. You're going to love uh, this place. And uh, BackboneBourbon.com and Fanimation.com. Great sponsors who you should support and tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. By the way, where are we with the Headley Grange? It's with great. The, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I'm saying Chamuco. I can't even believe it's $11. It's really good. I'm catching a cigar buzz. Really? How long have you been without a cigar? Last week. It has great flavor. The wrapper is fantastic. It's yeah, delicious. It's delicious wrapper. It really is delicious. This could be a pretty good coffee cigar. I did a cigar earlier and did it with coffee. I, as I said, coffee or water for me is always it. This is lovely, and an 11 bucks a stick should be in your humidor worth 
giving it a try. Uh, the uh, bourbon. Oh, the bourbon. The Widow Jane. It's a good coffee bourbon. You 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 don't drink it. You just drink coffee instead. Yes. You look at the bottle. Yeah. It was rough. It was rough. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Eat, Drink, Smoke, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe, write a review, five-star review. Do all of the things there. Keep this podcast growing the way you have. We greatly appreciate it. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs>